<clears throat> it's crazy because as we sent out five different teams into the nations, we sent teams to Australia, to Indonesia, to Myanmar, to Thailand, and to Japan. When they all came back, they all came back with almost the same testimony. And it was that we're in a new, we're definitely in a new dispensation as a house. And that dispensation is about empowering the ministries there in the countries that we go to. And so whether it was Thailand ministering to, it looked like in that video, like thousands of children. I don't know. It's like multitudes of children, you know, or it's in Japan and they're doing prayer walks and ministering to the leaders there. Um, God's really put something special on this house to empower other ministries and to build them up. We're meant to be a blessed. We're blessed to be a blessing, right? Amen. We're meant to be a blessing. And so it's just such a good thing to see and to see on those videos. Um, man, God is so good. <laughs> I keep saying that a lot because God is good. You know, one of the biggest things that we miss in the church is a revelation of God's goodness. We come into church and we really we come into these four walls. The church actually isn't a building. The church is that is the body of believers together. We come into this building and we come in with all our flack, all the lies that the enemy has placed upon us. And we believe that God is going to reject us. But God is so good. He's brought you here today because he wants to give you a revelation of how much his love is geared towards you. God is good. That's not what I wanted to talk to you about today, but I just felt that even as I was watching those videos, I was like, man, God, if your heart for Japan and your heart for Thailand is that big, how much, how big is your heart for us? How big is your heart for this congregation here at Itaewon? If you'll send us out to minister to people on the streets in languages that we cannot even speak, you know, I don't, I can't speak like Burmese at all. When we went to Myanmar, I, all I knew was hello. Mingalaba. And that is it. How much more your love for us here when we, and we speak the same language. We're all here together. What our sister Megan was sharing was so profound that if she can go on the streets of Japan and share the love of God in her broken Japanese, how much more here in Itaewon? Man, God is good. Today, we're going to continue. We've been going through the book of First Corinthians, and we're going to continue in that book. So if you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book, the first letter of Paul to the church in Corinth. It's after Romans. And we're still in chapter one, <laughs> because chapter one is a good chapter. And we're going to go... And today we're going to go from verses 26 to 31. So how about I take the even and you take the odd. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. And because of him, 
You are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And then the last verse all together. So that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. Bow your heads. I'm going to pray for us. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the testimonies, God, that we've heard from Thailand and Japan. We thank you, Lord, that you are doing a work in our day, God, that people will not believe even if they were told. I thank you, God, that your spirit, God, is going out among the nations, God. And I thank you, Lord, that your Holy Spirit is here in this room, God. And I thank you, Lord, that today, God, you're going to awaken us to what you have chosen us for. The things that you have chosen us to do, God, and the way that you've chosen us to live, God. Father, I ask right now, Lord, that every heart in this room would be made wide open, God. That, Lord, that every lie of the enemy, all discouragement, and every work of deception, I break right now in Jesus' name. And, Father, I declare your truth will go forth, and it will bring forth a harvest 30, 60, 100-fold, God. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you are doing here in Itaewon, here at this house, God, and also in the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, I want to talk to you about the story that each and every one of us are in. Each and every one of us play a part in. You know, the moment you stepped into this, into this place, the moment you decided this Sunday you're going to come to New Philadelphia, you decided that you were going to take part in something that is larger than yourself. Something that is big. It's really big. It's so big that some people would say it's foolish. It's so, it's so big, but it's, it's filled with so much love. And yet, so some people would say it's weak. The things that this house is believing for, the things that God is calling us to declare, the world says doesn't exist and can't exist. But God says it will exist. You're stepping into a place that, in a, into a house, into a community that God has chosen. I'm not saying that God hasn't chosen other churches and God hasn't chosen other houses, but God has specifically chosen this house. God has specifically chosen each and every one of you because he desires for you to take part in his work. Some of you say, well, I'm not called to full-time ministry. Well, I'm not, I don't know if God's really chosen me. I know he wants me to come and Sing songs and smile on Sundays and give my tithe and then try and live a good life from Monday to Saturday. None of you sound like that, I'm sure. I'm going to meet someone after church and be like, hello, Pastor Marcus. I was not mocking you, I promise. No, the truth of the matter is, is that God has chosen you. And he's chosen you to live a life that the world will call foolish. He's chosen you to live a life that the world will call weak. He's chosen you to live a life that the world will despise and call low. But anything that the world calls foolish, God calls wise. Anything that the world calls weak, God calls strong. Anything that the world says is low and despised and cannot exist, God makes exist. Did you know that? See, many of us, we get so wrapped up in not wanting to appear foolish. We get so wrapped up in not wanting to appear weak. You know, I'm strong. I go to the gym. Okay, I, I haven't went to the gym yet. But I'm going soon. 
You know, I'm wise. I know what to do. I have my life planned out. Look at me here. My life is in perfect order. Really? (laughs) You know that anything that the world calls wise, God calls foolish. Anything that the world calls strong, God calls weak. Anything that the world says exists and exalts, God looks at as low and despised. And here in this passage, Paul is writing to this church in Corinth. I've talked about Corinth before, right? Corinth was like New Philly. It was a young church. It was filled with people who believed in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. During worship, I'm sure everyone sang in tongues. And the newcomers were freaked out. <laughs> the church in Corinth was a church that God had started. It, it began as a very small house church. It, it began as a small church in which Paul had went to a particular house and he, he, spoke the, he spoke the gospel and the power of God came. And then that small group of people got transformed. And then all of a sudden, you know, we talk about hurt people, hurt people. You know, but transformed people transform other people. See, when you get transformed, you can't help but to transform other people. See, that's why the devil comes at you and he says, you haven't changed. You're the same. You continue to struggle with the same things you've always struggled with. You continue to do the same things you've always done. You haven't changed because the devil understands better than we do that transform people transform people. You're a transformed people. You're a transformed people. Even if you sit in the back row, you're a transformed person. Holler. Yes. Y'all ain't used to a pastor saying holler. Holla. Sorry. It means hello. I see you. I think every week I give like one Ebonics lesson. (laughs) Newcomers come in and they're like, they cannot speak English well. They do not speak English well. I think, is that correct? I don't know. Wow. If anyone wants to give me English lessons after, holler at me. Corinth began as a small house church of transformed people. And then all of a sudden, this small little house church where the Holy Spirit was moving, it began to grow and it began to grow and it began to grow. And all of a sudden, people are getting healed and delivered. Does this sound familiar? All of a sudden, you've got this congregation of people that are extravagant worshipers. They stand up. They prophesy. They believe that if I lay my hands on the sick, they'll get well. They believe that when I come into the presence of God, that everything changes and they grow and they grow and they grow. And then all of a sudden they hit a year of increase and the church begins to blow up. But as the church begins to blow up, people's egos begin to blow up. And people begin to believe that that they are somehow now the ones that are esteemed. I'm the big I'm the wise one. I'm the strong one. Do you see what's happening through me? (laughs) And all of a sudden division comes into the house of God because they're saying, well, I'm going to follow this guy because this guy sounds wise. 
I'm going to follow this guy because I like his doctrine. You know what? Actually, I'm a Calvinist. I'm going to follow this guy. No, I'm Armenian. I'm going to follow this guy. Actually, I don't know what you're talking about, so I'm going to follow this guy over here. It seems like most of us will follow that guy over there. And the, and the house of God begins to get so divided and people are so filled with pride and they're so filled with this me, me, me kind of doctrine. And so Paul writes to them. He says, I know you've increased. I know God has blessed you. I know God has done an amazing thing in your work, in your midst. He's done an amazing work in your midst. And he writes to them in verse 26 and he says, for consider your calling, brothers. Consider who you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise. He says wise according to worldly standards. In the Greek, that means wise according to the flesh. Not many of you were wise in your flesh. Not many of you were powerful. He says not many of you were of noble birth. A couple months ago in July, I preached about how we are royalty. But Paul says to the church in Corinth, when God first talked to you, when God first came to you, you weren't royalty. You weren't wise. You were foolish. Do you remember what you were doing? (laughs) The world looked at you and didn't say that you were wise. The world looked at you and didn't say that you were powerful. And no one said that you were nobility. You know, I think about New Philly and God is doing an amazing work in this house. You have stepped into a special place. You know, God has put a calling on this house to to go to the cities of the world because we understand that the cities are the places of influence to the epicenter. Paul made sure to go to the cities because he knew that in the cities, that was where the influence was. And he knew that if he could touch the places of influence, he could touch every place. And God has put a calling upon this house to go out to the cities. And God has spoken to us and he's begun to increase our influence as a house, as a church. You step in and it's your first day, but you get to inherit something for free. That the leaders worked for it and prayed for. Four years ago, New Philly wasn't this kind of house. Right now we have we have a church plant in Busan, Seaside. And God's blessing it. Man, their sanctuary is like off the hook. It's got like this terrace next to it. I just saw pictures. And I was just like. (laughs) Had that view of the ocean. I was like, whatever. Our view is so much better. (laughs) But check it out. Last night, I said, wherever the presence of God is, that place becomes awesome. How awesome is this place? Amen. (laughs) Our view is off the hook. (laughs) And God has, we have three church plants right now. We have, well, we have one, our main campus in Shilin. We have this Itaewon church plant that has begun to explode. Filling up the seats with sons and daughters and people who are going after the presence of God. The church plant in Busan. But I want to tell you that that's not the end of it. This is just the beginning. God is actually calling us to go into many different nations. All throughout Asia. Many of you will be a part of those church plants. 
Many of you will go into Asia. You'll go into Australia. You'll go into India. You'll go into China. You'll go into the Middle East. You'll go into the epicenters of the world and you'll plant churches and God will use you mightily to prepare his house for his coming. And he's going to do it through this house. Not just this house, but he has chosen this house. But I want to tell you who we were when we were called. New Philadelphia Church started actually as an English ministry called JSEM. Jail Songdo English Ministry. People used to ask what church you go to. And I'd say Jail Songdo English Ministry. And no one could pronounce the name of the church. I go to Jail Jail. <laughs> Jail Sangdo. Jail Sangdo. JSM. JSM. I go to JSM. No one called it JSM. And it was, and the only church campus was this church campus that we call Hillside, but it was before known as the campus no one could find. It, it was up on this hill. You, we had to have video directions like, Everyone would call us all the time saying, I'm lost. I don't know how to get to the church. Right now, I am in, I'm in Seoul National University. Like, some people would call there in Itaewon. Like, how'd you end up in Itaewon? <laughs> I remember the first time I came to New Philly, which was JSCM back then. And I remember walking in, and I'm seeing all these Koreans and all these Korean Americans. And then I look up at the pulpit, and it's an Indian guy. <laughs> And I was so confused. <laughs> the church actually started, it was actually started before then by a guy by the name of, of David Huang. He's the pastor now of Jubilee Church. And him, along with the Samunim and Moksanim of Jeosongdo Kyowe, Jeosongdo Church, they started the English ministry. And they started it because they believed that God wanted to do something powerful through the English speakers of Korea. The expat community, the people that came and they moved here and they they're aimless and they don't really know where to go, but they still have a genuine desire to encounter God. And all of a sudden, you know, as Pastor Sam, that was his name, the Indian guy, Pastor Sam Epen. Even before he took over, there was a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And God began to move so powerfully through this church. I remember when I came as an exchange student and people would tell me about that church called Jail Sangdo English Ministry. And they'd say, that church is crazy. Those people are crazy. Their prayer team leader is this guy who wears camouflage pants. And he's from Philadelphia and he's really fiery. He's a little crazy. That's our pastor, <laughs> Pastor Christian. He doesn't wear camouflage pants anymore. He got married. <laughs> and, and people would talk about this church and they would talk about New Philadelphia. And I remember the first time I came to New Philly. The first time I came to JSCM and I remember standing there during the worship and I remember because I had only been a Christian for about six well, about eight months by that time. And I was still kind of living this in in the house of God and one foot out in the world kind of thing. And I'm kind of doing that back and forth, back and forth. 
if you ever done the cha-cha slide, it's called the Charlie Brown, you know? Okay, anyways. And I remember standing there and I remember being so confused because it sounded like surround sound tongues. Like I just heard people praying in another language all around me and I couldn't understand what they were saying and it wasn't the lyrics on the screen. And I was like, what is going on right now? And I, and I left that place thinking, what is going on? I was still thinking, what is going on at this place? But it was so weird because even though I didn't understand in my mind what was happening, in my heart, I felt a witness. In my heart, I knew that God was in this place. I knew that God's presence was here. But in my mind, in my flesh, it it appeared completely foolish. It appeared completely weird. And then I remember after church, I talked to one brother. His name was Jazz. And, uh, He's this huge, big, muscular black guy. And he walks up to me. And when he walked up to me, I was a little scared. Because he was like, what's your name? And I was like, Marcus? <laughs> He's like, what's your phone number? I was like, oh. <laughs> and then he was like, and then he was like, you want to play basketball? I was like, oh. And I remember hanging and, but the funniest thing was we all went and played basketball. And I remember as I was hanging out with some of the brothers of that church, I remembered that during the worship, I was looking at them and I was like, these guys are crazy. It's because I'd never seen a real man that goes after God. And so I was looking at them and I was like, these guys are weird. Like, why are they crying during worship? Like, why are their hands raised the whole time? Like, it's not that hot in here. Why are they sweating? Why are they sweating so much? <laughs> but then I recognized as I had conversations and I hung out with these guys, I realized that they're normal people. Normal people that just God had chosen and had went after God. Remember your calling, brothers. Not many of you were noble. Not many of you were wise. Not many of you were were powerful. When you stepped into this house, were you noble? Were you wise? Were you powerful? This house, when it began, it wasn't noble and wise and powerful. Actually, other ministries looked at New Philly and and New Philly was kind of the church on the outskirts. I'm sure Pastor John Michael can attest to that as he was one of the leaders here back then. I remember talking to Pastor John, who was my roommate. He's the worship pastor here at New Philly, and he was he was a worship leader at another English ministry. And he would tell me I was he would tell me about the things he had heard about this church. And it definitely wasn't wise, powerful and noble. He's like, yeah, I know that church. You guys are the crazy ones that pray all the time and worship all the time. And read your Bibles all the time. And yeah, you, are, you guys are that, guys. But see, as Paul, as Paul says this to the church in Corinth, he's reminding them of who they were when they first started. Because when we first start, God never goes after the wise and the powerful and the noble. Those aren't the ones that he chooses. 
Those aren't the ones that he decides I'm going to put my spirit upon. Moses had a speech impediment. He was actually afraid to go before Pharaoh because he he thought that if I stand up and speak, no one's going to listen to what I have to say. Joseph. He was the tattletale and the, and the one that stayed with the father all the time. Yeah, he had favor, but the rest of his brothers hated him. God never seems to Daniel was like a Daniel was a eunuch. We won't go into what that means. You know, you're a part of something that is so big, but it didn't start out that way. And even if you're new, I'm inviting you into something that's so big. I feel like God wants to do that. Many of you came from other nations and you came here to Korea and you came to this place and you've been looking for community. You've been looking for family and people to speak into your lives. And in the flesh, it looks foolish. Paul's reminding them, he says, remember your calling. But then the next thing he says is he says, but God chose you weren't wise. You weren't powerful. You weren't noble, but God chose, you know, when, when God came to us, none of us were wise. None of us were powerful. None of us were noble, but God chose. Many people believe that they chose God, but that's a lie. You can't choose God. Our mind in the flesh is hostile to the things of God. We never chose God. God chose us. God said, I see you and you don't see me, but I have been looking for you and I choose you. And as God does that with us as individuals, he does it with us as a community. That's why we're the bride of Christ. God is the pursuer. He is the bridegroom. He is the one that says, you don't see me, but I see you. And I'm going to pursue. God's choice. God's choice is the most important thing in our lives as believers. And it's the most important thing as us as a community. God's choice. See, every time that you think that you can't do it, every time you think that you're foolish, every time you think that you're weak, every time that you think the things that God has spoken to you cannot happen, all you need to remember is that God chose. Because see, when God chooses something, he never chooses it without giving it everything it needs to complete what he sent it to do. God chose. See, today, today's message is, is simple, but it's profound if you get it. Most believers and most of us in the body, we struggle with, I don't know if God's calling me to do this. I don't know if I should live like this. I don't know if I should really believe God for this. This sounds like... This sounds crazy. But all you need to know is that God chose. See, the prophet Jeremiah. The Lord had spoken to him and wanted him to go out and to speak to people that were going to reject him from the beginning. Can you imagine how that is? Like, imagine being sent to talk to someone that you know is going to reject you. It's like. Approaching that girl that you know is going to say no. (sighs) That'd be crazy. Jeremiah knew that they were going to reject him. He knew that everything that they were going to say was going to fall to the ground. Everything that he was going to say was going to be seen as foolish. 
but God chose. You know, God chose us. He's chosen us to go out into the nations. What has he chosen? He's chosen the foolish things. Are you, are you willing to be foolish in the world to be wise in God's sight? That's a tough question. Are you willing to be seen as foolish outside? Knowing that inside God sees you as wise. You know, there's many things that we do in this house that could be seen as foolish. When we meet, when we meet together and we pray, I want to tell you that we pray for foolish things. The world looks at what we pray for and they say, man, that is foolish. We've been praying for increase in this house. We've been praying that 500 people would fill our main campus, the hillside campus. We've been praying for 200 people to fill this particular campus. 200 people means twice as many people that are in this room right now, that are in this room right now. We've been praying for 100 people to fill the Busan campus. But 200 people are worshiping right now at Hillside. Less than 100 people are worshiping here and 40 people are worshiping at Seaside. Why would you pray for something like that? Why would you believe for the transformation of a place like Itaewon? Do you know how long that Itaewon has been seen as rejected and despised? Why would you believe for something like that? Why would you believe for transformation in your family? Why would you believe for the salvation of the people closest to you? That sounds foolish. But God says it's wise. And you know, anything that God says is wise, God's going to make sure it gets fulfilled. Anything that God calls wisdom, it will stand the test of time. But anything that's foolish will perish. Weak. God chose the weak things. It says that the next thing he says, he says, but God chose the foolish things to to shame the wise. God chose the weak things to shame the strong. We've been believing for revival in Itaewon, revival in in Korea. And you know who the weakest group of people, the people who make the least amount of money, the people who are seen as the least in this nation. Do you know who that group is? us and the people that God has called us to reach out to the homeless the unchurched the backslidden the expat community is not the it's not the gem of Korea's eye I mean you know that when you get on the subway and everyone's staring at you you know but still God chose it But still God chose us. But still God chose that he would use the things that are not. The things that are despised. The things that everyone else says is low. And everyone else says cannot happen. 
You know, any time in your life that someone says that the things of God in your life are foolish and weak, the things are low and despised, you should take that as a word of prophecy. You should jump and do jumping jacks anytime someone says that the thing God has called you to is foolish. That's confirmation that what God has said is wise. Marcus, you want to go on a missions trip? That is foolish. Thank you, Jesus. That must be wisdom. You walking into this house and, and people and you see the worship and you see the intercession and you see people going after God. The world says that is so foolish. There is there are better ways to spend your Sunday. But God says, I see that. And that's wisdom. I see that. That's not weakness. That's strength. I see that. That's not things that are nullified and things that are low and despised. Those are things that are strong and exalted. See, God's looking for a community. God's looking for a house. God's looking for a people that would be willing to be called foolish and wise, low and despised. When Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians, he wasn't talking to one individual. It wasn't like his letter to Timothy. He was speaking to an entire church. Because he was inviting them into the story. He was inviting them into something that was so much bigger than just church on Sunday. He was inviting them into a story of nationwide, citywide, worldwide transformation. And that's what we believe for. Every single one of us. God has placed inside of us. It says he's written eternity upon our hearts. That means that God has written upon your heart a willingness and a desire to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And if you're here in this place today, I want to tell you that this is it. I'll be bold enough to tell you that this is it. Even if it seems like foolishness. And it says that why did God do this? God did this so that no human being would boast in the presence of God. Why did God choose the low things? Why did God choose the despised things? Why did he choose the things that are not? So that no human being, that word is actually that no flesh could boast. And that word actually means glorify. That no flesh could glorify themselves in the presence of God. Ultimately, God chose the weak and the low and the foolish things that ultimately God chose us to run and look foolish in the world's eyes, look weak in the world's eyes, because God wants us to be marked by his presence. God chose those things because you cannot glorify the flesh and stand in his presence. And God wants a people that stand in his presence. God wants a people that carry his presence. God wants a people that take his presence out into every facet of the community. Can you imagine Itaewon filled with the presence of God? You walk, you get off at Itaewon station and you walk and you step over the trash. You make a, you know, a zigzag around the dog poo. And you come up to the sanctuary. You think I'm going to worship God here and then I'm going to go back to wherever I live. But God desires for us to take and encounter his presence here, that his presence can go out to Itaewon. 
God desires for his presence to come here so that his presence can go there to the brothel. So they can go there to the bar. So they can go there to every aspect, every area. To that homeless man that's on the street that we step over. To that rejected person that's sitting there waiting for someone to speak life into them. See, God chose you because he's chosen other people. And he wants transformed people to transform people. And the most, the most foolish thing, actually, is the thing that he calls wisdom the most. And he says in verse, in verse 30, he says, And it is because of him, because of God, that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to us wisdom from God. Christ is the, the most, he is the embodiment of wisdom. The way that Christ lived his life, the power that he walked in, the love that he embodied, everything that Christ did, he is wisdom from God. And Paul tells us what that wisdom means, that it's righteousness. Each one of us, we live in right standing with God. During, during peer intercession, I said that, that there's many of us who have been struggling with discouragement. And it was because the Lord had given me a vision. And it was of a gem. And it was a beautiful gem. It was like a diamond, but it was covered with dirt. And I felt the Lord speak to me that many of us in this house, we feel that God's made us diamonds. But we feel like we're covered with dirt. But see, what righteousness does is righteousness removes any semblance of dirt that you shine. It says that you're in right standing with God. That you're holy before God. That you're redeemed before God. God wants us to embody what it looks like to live in righteousness, holiness, and redemption. I realized that redemption actually is one of the most foolish things that you could ever hear of. That someone would look at you in, in your sin and in your mire and your muck and still love you. That someone would take you from that place and then set you up upon a rock. I realized that the hardest thing for, you know what makes it the hardest for us to live a foolish life for God? Is that ultimately we believe that what Christ has done for us is foolish. That Christ could love us that much. That Christ could care for us in every area of our lives. That sounds like absolute foolishness. That just because you failed yesterday or you, maybe you failed this morning. Or just because you've, you've struggled in this particular area. That Jesus would still look at that and say, I paid for that. I've bought that. I've redeemed that. I still love you. I still cover you. I've still chosen you. Because see, God chose the foolish things. He's chosen us. 
I want us to pray right now. I just want you to pray. I want us all together to pray. And and I want us to bring ourselves before God. And and I want us to, I feel like God wants us to, to commit ourselves. See, God said he chose the foolish things. God chose the weak things. God chose the the low and despised things in the world. So in our hearts, there has to be a commitment. There has to be a desire to be foolish in the world. To step out and do things and live a life that maybe the world will call foolish but that God will call wise and God says do not love the world if anyone loves the world or anything in the world the love of the father is not in him he says that the things of the world the man who loves after the world those things they pass away But the man who does the will of God, the man who steps out to be foolish, maybe in the world's eyes, weak in the world's eyes, they live forever. And God wants this community to be a community that is marked by people who are foolish, crazy, extravagant, lovers of God and lovers of people. to step out in such a way that the world would say that it is foolishness but that God would say no no that's wise I've chosen that so let's just pray together and I want you to just make let's make a commitment in our heart to live that kind of life because that's what God has chosen for each and every one of us let's pray yes father I just thank you Lord that you Lord that father that you didn't when you called us